0: Ryan Nickers. Bernard pulls the trigger. And This is a brand. Nickers is a brand.
1: Allen Houston. Nickers is going to Once the neck, goal, it's the net. <laughs> Get it tested. Pushed up the three. One go. Rebound by. You guys are listening to Nickish. You got your boys, Mo and It is May 27, 2021. This is episode 101. And it has been over 2,000 days since the last time that the New York Knicks won a playoff game. Man, and you already know, today was a good fucking day. What's going on, man? How you feeling right now?
0: Today, you know, it was a good day in terms of just like waking up and it being like a good day to be a Knicks fan. I'd rather not have had to go through that workday, cause bro, I was so amped up after last night. Like I'm telling you, it was almost like hard to go to sleep. You know what I mean? Like it's, it was that kind of, it was just that kind of night. You know what I mean? Obviously, for obvious reasons, you know, our first playoff win in like what we just talked about it offline, like two thousand days or something like that. Yep. Regardless, eight years, but yeah, man, woke up with a pep in my step, basically. How, how how'd you sleep? How'd you wake up? Well, what's it like being uh? A fan of a team that that has a playoff win this year, I couldn't imagine not being a fan of a team without a playoff win this year. That's crazy. It feels
1: That's- awesome, and it, we can't even just say it was a it was a win. It felt like a win for all the players who were playing last night. There's so many storylines, so many people we can point at, and you know they feel like that they're winners right now, even though it's only been one game into the postseason. I feel like last time. Really, that, that first time that the Knicks won a playoff, I, I remember Melo really taking taking it to the end against Boston. That one game that we won in 2000, uh, what was it, 11 or 12? 2012. Because we, we got swept, we got swept in 2011. That first playoff series against Boston. But
0: sworn we almost won a game that season.
1: No, Dubai. we we almost won a couple. We lost. We got swept by Boston 2012. We beat one game in Miami. Um, yeah, right, and that right. game there, there are those confetti and and all that, but it felt more like a W for Melo and Amari. But this game, you know, from top to bottom, you talk about Randall, you know, getting his MIP last season award, um, and you know all the way down to the Rooks, IQ, and and especially Obi Toppin last night. Last night was a big night for him. Woo. Everybody, everybody's a winner. Everybody's a winner on the Knicks right now, and you know the <laughs> fans right now were were amped up. You know, beginning to end, and the fans afterwards. Every everybody knows around the NBA, there's no place like Madison Square Garden during the
0: playoffs. I mean, and don't we showed up. Kevin heard her that. Don't tell Kevin Herter. You see his quote that came out today. He was just like, "Oh, you know, everybody's talking about like, oh, I can't wait for the the for the fans to get back in New York, and there's no fans like New York." And blah blah blah. He said blah blah blah. That was mm-hmm. his quote. He was like, "I can't wait for us to get back and flip the script." Like, like my guy, (laughs) like, it's probably going to be at least, this is, like, probably an underestimation, it's probably going to be at least 40% Knicks fans in that building, because, like, didn't we have a guest on for Knickish at night? He was, like, a New Yorker, but he's, like, in Atlanta now, he's an Atlanta transplant. Probably, like, half Atlanta is, like, New York transplants, bro, you know what I mean? So, like, we're going to be in there heavy, like, MSG is always, like, that arena has always been MSG South, I don't even know what the name of their arena is now, is it still the Phillips? Phillips Arena? Who knows? Nobody knows. Yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's not relevant. You know what I mean? Where Where did the garden? We're going from the garden to like insert random endorsement arena here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what Kevin Hurd (laughs) is talking about. You know what I mean? Um, And then you got John Collins. I mean, we're starting off to shitting on the Hawks, but you know, rightfully so. And then you got John Collins bitching about the officiating. Like, Mm -hmm. you have you play on the same team as Trey Young? Like, come on now. And there were mad calls last night. Where I hate being those fans that complain about the rest, but it was so obvious last night that like there were calls where it wasn't being called evenly because like they were like the Hawks were getting their ticky tacky shit for a period of time, you know what I mean? And then us like uh, RJ IQ, you know what I mean? Burks they they go into the paint, you know what I mean? Not get a not get a whistle. So I don't know what John Collins is talking about. I think he's just looking for any excuse to like make up for his bullshit stat line <laughs> for real. <laughs> and but um yeah yeah, yeah good good my bad.
1: No, it, and then, you know, obviously you got Trey at the end saying, oh, we'll see you at the A. Like, like, I, I was, yeah, you're going to see all the Knicks fans back at the A, is what you're going to see.
0: Fuck. I mean, credit to Trey for, like, at least embracing the villain role. Like, he's making it fun, and that's what the playoffs is about. And, um, I mean, that's a sign of respect, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like we're out there, like, saying, like, uh, doing, like, you know, fuck John Collins' chance, you know what I mean? We're not, <laughs> if you're a scrub, your name's not going to get chanted, unless, you know, um, we're Trying to get you in the game, you know, you know what I mean? Like the random Scalabrini chance when he was on the Celtics mm-hmm. back in the day. Love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, there's I feel like there's a lot to get into. Like you said, everybody is a winner. Um, I mean, literally speaking, they are winners. That we did the, the Knicks did beat, beat the Hawks, everybody is te- technically a winner, yeah. yeah. But um, where do you want to start, bro? I mean, let's start, who, let's so start with Obi because you, you said you said you know those
1: chants. Obviously, on the other side of the spectrum, we got chance for a lot of players. We heard we heard D Rose chances, but we heard a lot of Obi chance. Game one and game two, and after the season that he had, where he wasn't a good rookie, he just wasn't playing good minutes. Uh, but he was getting better and better, and he right now looks like he saved the best for the playoffs, and he's playing his most confident. And ironically or coincidentally, it came at a time when Randall wasn't playing his best basketball, and Obi Toppin needed to step in and do what he needed to do, and that energy that alley you know probably the play of the game last night uh there's so many wide That's... screens that we're seeing that 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 the knicks are posting or tweeting and other like msg's msg's tweeting just the the wide lens view that we see of that that alley was amazing and it came right after like they, they show that that block that he had if you if you watch defensive
0: possession bro if you watch that clip that
1: possession. the whole 30 seconds of that clip he's everywhere Guarding up Facts. and playing excellent defense, something that he wasn't able to do, but definitely got coached into him. So before that, he was guarding up two other guys, and then he got that block, and then obviously he got the alley. So, you know, you, you mentioned it offline. We all saw it yesterday when he had that alley, and everybody was chanting Obi's name. The camera went to Obi's mom, who you know, so touching. It's such a big supporter of him, and the kid grew up as a as a Knicks fan. It was it was very touching, and I'm sure you know it was, it was awesome for her to see her you know, kid. I- <sighs>
0: How surreal it's got to be. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, your kid grows up a Knicks fan, plays ball, coming up in, in New York City, and then you hear his name is being chanted in your playoff game in the garden, bro. Like, can't even imagine, like, the kind of, like, uh, the pride she'd feel as a pa- parent. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I was almost crying when that shit happened. So I can't even imagine it. His mother, actually, you know what I mean? Um, and there's I, a
1: I, uh, yeah, yeah there's guy. a tweet
0: that, that the Knicks just put out, and it,
1: it's a how it started and what it looks like now. It's him in his Latrell Sprewell jersey as a kid. You know, Fire. just just smiling. And now it shows he has a he has a really dope pick right now of, of his alley uh, you know, right front and center, um, of him finishing it. So, man, what 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 an what an awesome night for him,
0: bro. It was ironic because like it, it almost felt like, damn, we're in the playoffs and all our OB is gonna be our starting power forward over Julius takes <laughs> or coming back to look look good. You know what I mean? Like, cause, bro, I mean, thankfully Julius woke up a bit at the end of it. But that that these last basically game one into like the majority of game two we were just like yo did julie's turn into a pumpkin is um is is he just like does he have performance anxiety like he can he can only really hoop when he's like in a near empty arena you know what i mean thankfully it's not what it was i think obviously it's just like first time in the playoffs jitters and like the pressure of being that dude on our squad in our in our first playoff appearance in eight years i sympathize with that but he if if he didn't get his head out of his ass, like, I'm sorry to use those terms because, like, much love to Julius for, you know, bringing us here. But if he didn't get his head out of his ass, this we would have lost the series, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. He showed enough of a pulse to where to contribute on top of all the other good things that, you know, like you said, guys like Obi were thrown in. D-Rose, bro, these last two games, he could you could probably say D-Rose has been our best player. And then after that, I'd almost say Obi. You know what I mean? Because... The energy he brings, the like, the kind of like, like you said, he was all over the court. Even in limited minutes, you know I mean he comes in off the bench, and it's just like, bro, how it's it's rare for a rookie to just be better in the playoffs. You know what I mean? That's you know, somebody like Zach Lowe always likes to say, "Oh, rookies are almost usually bad and grade negatively, especially in the playoffs across all like the advanced stats and shit." Not Obi, bro, as far as two games is concerned. You know what I mean? IQ had kind of a quiet game, too, but not, not Obi, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I damn near tore my ACL jumping off the couch when he, he did that alley, bro. Because I feel like everybody watching at home and watching in the arena could see it happening yeah. with their own eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was just like, please don't be one of those regular season possessions where Obi's always running and pointing, but no, he, he never gets it that was perfect. It was I feel like as soon as we all saw, Burke saw bro, it Burke side, everybody was pointing. You see
1: Bullock behind Obi's pointing upwards, Obi's pointing exactly, upwards. I'm sure bro. thousands of people in the crowd were all pointing upwards cuz they all could see it coming. I was pointing upwards shit uh from the from the TV. Um but yeah, man, Fire. like just focus. Obi was was awesome and you mentioned D-Rose. I I, I want to talk about Todd a little bit cuz if you look at the Woo. stats Box score highest I love on the Taj team. Gibson, bro. Highest on the team, plus twenty three. Take it away. I know you wanted to say a few things about about our the local Brooklyn kid.
0: First of all, he needs to sign a lifetime contract. He needs to be on that udonis Haslam like plan. You know what I mean? Like I don't know <laughs> if Pat Riley or Mickey Arison of the Miami Heat pay Haslam under the table. You know what I mean? But we got to do that with Taj because his people say like it almost kind of went too extreme with like kind of the stat dudes taking over basketball analysis to the point where they almost discount the intangible shit like having veteran leadership and culture and like that kind of wisdom you know i mean i'm not there i dig stats and shit but like what taj brings is exactly what a young team first time in the playoff needs and on top of that he balled the fuck out, bro. He mm-hmm. was he was ready to die for this t- team on yeah. that court last night, <laughs> and like I could have sworn he probably had like 15 rebounds. You look at the box score; it's like seven rebounds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they all felt huge. You know what I mean? And you could tell he was battling, bro. And I don't know. I mean, I'll give it back to you, but it was it, like Taj. We're we're not in this position without him. You know what I mean? Like he was out there. He's and then every time he had a big play. He's out there just like amping up the crowd too. Mm-hmm. He knows what the moment is like. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's a grizzled, cliche veteran, but he's out there doing exactly what he need, what we need. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, definitely outplayed Noel too. At least these two, these last two games. Is he, had yeah, he had to.
1: Yeah, he had to, and that was a great coaching decision by Tibbs. Uh, you know, putting oh. uh, <laughs> in for most of the second half. Man played, man played thirty minutes. You got D Rose playing 38, 39 minutes. Shit. Um, it's the playoffs, bro. There's none
0: of that load management shit in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Don't like, apply.
1: Um, but yeah, like his his defense was critical. A lot of the a lot of the plays were critical. I his post game interview was probably the best interview I've seen all season so far, and just Bags. just the genuine honesty and just the feeling that he brings out was was amazing. He, he was wearing a Yankees cap right there, full on New Yorker, letting everybody know how important it is and how. You know grateful he feels to be in that position how grateful we are as fans to see him in that position succeed and you know he's talking about the old days with Tibbs and you know when they're playing Chicago with D Rose and how awesome it'd be to play and have battles in the garden they're doing literally that a decade right. later it it means a lot to him and it's so awesome feeling that connection with the player like that and that's why the Knicks and the Knicks fans are connected that way because they all bring that kind of heart to the team. And that's what we've been lacking for so many years. And having a guy like that, a guy like Taj, bring that out in a post-game interview, getting emotional over, you know, the play after the game is, man, that that's just that's just an awesome fucking feeling. Bro,
0: it, like what really was poetic about everything he said was just like, it all came full circle for me. I mean, he was just like, I've been playing with D-Rose basically my entire career. And now it's like me, him, and Tibbs here and now in New York doing this. You know what I mean? He was talking about, like, you just got to keep grinding and, like, take every day as it is, and then, you know, everything happens for a reason is what he said, right? And mm-hmm. it's hard to argue, bro, because he was, like... Everybody knows the Tosh and Tibbs kind of kinship. Obviously, the t- the Tibbs and D-Rose kinship, but how he explained it as, like, he grew up a Knicks fan, talking to a coach that actually was coaching those 90s Knicks teams he loved growing up, and then developing that bond to the point where, like, t- Tosh would always t- tell Tibbs, like, hey... We could be in New York together, something like that. You know what I mean? Now it's actually happened, bro. Like beautiful post game, like moment, and man, our two best players. You know what I mean? And our co- like it was D Rose and Taj Gibson. And I, I remember back in the day, 2010, 2011, I was seeing what the Chicago Bulls were doing, and I was seeing how we had fucking Mike D'Antoni, and I'm just like, I, I want that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now it's we're literally getting that ten years later. Yeah, thirty <laughs> two year old D Rose. Thirty eight year old Taj. How old are the fuck old Tibbs? You know Is what he thirty like, eight? Taj thirty eight? We were talking about our last nah. episode, we weren't sure. I'm just throwing out numbers until I hit it. It's like <laughs> it's like playing darts. It's <laughs> uh, we might as well confirm. He's thirty-five, bro. <laughs>
1: well, he's gonna yeah, be thirty-six in a month, actually, so
0: we're not old too enough. far off. There you go.
1: <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, you know, we got we got these old heads playing their best basketball this season in the playoffs, and meanwhile we got the guys who carried us to the playoffs for most of the season RJ and Randall not playing their best basketball so I mean thankfully the Knicks won this game and I think what it tells us that our best players aren't playing their best right now and we still got the W is that we, we got a promising up, you know, couple of few games coming up right now that if they play at the level at least 90% of what they've been these W's knock on wood should be coming and the series should be wrapped up you know in maybe 3 games
0: Facts. I mean, if you want to get to like the nitty gritty kind of like basketball, like tactical shit about it, it's just like yo, you watch, You look at the Hawks; they don't got any perimeter defenders, bro. They don't got anybody out there that like you're. Aside from DeAndre Hunter, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and then if our guys like RJ and Julius just start hitting their shots, we, the thing is though, like RJ didn't have a good game, quote unquote. But it was. It, I feel like it was a different kind of bad game than Randall had. Randall it was obvious. It was like tentativeness beating his own ahead and just kind of, like, being shook by the moment. You know what I mean? Let's just call a spade a spade. But with RJ, I like that he kept attacking. You know what I mean? He was aggressive. He was playing his game. It just was the shots weren't hitting. You know what I mean? And he had a couple drives to the rim, to the rim where he wasn't getting calls. Uh-huh. And that's, that's obvious when he's, you know, you're a young player. You know what I mean? You've got to earn that respect from the officials. But I think with RJ, it's just going to be kind of, like, the efficiency coming around. I think he'll hit – more threes going forward because he he was two for five last night you know there'll be some nights where he could be probably like three for four you mean in the series you mean or four for five like knock on wood you know so i think there's kind of a difference there but yeah julius obviously the key cog i mean i joked about it on our our on our twitter account like during the game it was like yo tibbs benches elf and then suddenly julius can shoot again which When you were talking about coaching decisions, I thought we were going to go straight to the elephant in the room, bro. Like, what Knicks fans, anybody, any reasonable Knicks fan has been begging for all year, finally happened. And it took us having a horrible first half in a playoff game, you know what I mean? Where it was like like the kind of vibe around Knicks fans online and shit, like, during the game, it was like, yo, this literally feels like our 17-game win season, you know what I mean? Like, it was that kind of morale, you know what I mean? But then... And then everybody was just basically basically had like that like that fatalistic kind of mindset. Like yo, oh my god, if yeah. Tibbs comes out, it starts fucking out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like if Tibbs comes out the second half with the same starting lineup, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> I think I saw that tweet. You know what I mean? <laughs> but then thankfully he didn't, bro. Came out with Rose. I thought he would go IQ maybe. You know what I mean? He saved Rose for the bench, but now nah, he went straight to his, to <laughs> to the guys he knows and trusts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, I, and in the playoffs fuckload management bro when you don't have like top tier talent you got to play the guys you have and i'm hoping that elf only played five minutes bro and i think he played eight last game yeah i'm hoping that that's that's a wrap like we're done with this elf shit you know what i mean i don't know who's behind it i don't know if it was scott perry this entire time holding a gun to leon rose and tips his head saying my man is gonna get the playing time or i don't know but you know what? There actually is a conspiracy theory out there. This is if we're going to kind of like t- take a side pivot off of the game for a mm-hmm. bit. There's a conspiracy theory out there that it's CAA. That's the reason why Elf's been starting and like Tibbs has been like, you know what I mean? Like mad generous in terms of how he talks about Elf. Have you seen that theory? No. You want Please. me to lay it out for you? Please. Elf has the same agent as Julius, Aaron Mintz, who also happens to have some high caliber of clients like Paul George. But more importantly, he's close friends with Leon Rose. Who obviously was mm. the power agent, head of CAA. Mm-hmm. So basically, people are saying that it what it comes down to. And Tibbs, CAA representation. Basically, CAA is running the Knicks, which I don't give a shit. We're in the playoffs. We're top four. If you're if you're one of those fans that's whining about that now, go go jump off a bridge. But the only time it really really fucked us is with this elf situation. It seems like that's the theory. That every reason, damn son. <laughs> yeah, pull we'll, up <we'll> this <laughs> truck pass. Hey, that's that's new york bro but Very um good. every 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 reason tibbs would give for his, like his rationale for having elf still out there because uh, you know the reporters would ask about it like every goddamn game mm-hmm. it never made sense hmm. and then the only theory that sh- that makes sense to me is this whole yo ca is just like yo just started a guy and like now in the playoffs tibbs is just like yo, i can't keep starting this dude like we're gonna lose so we need to bench his ass you know what i mean So I think that's what it is. It's like a favor for a favor. And hopefully that means down the line, the CAA fucking pushes one of their all-stars to our team. You know what I mean? Like, let that happen. You know what I mean? Because it's enough of this elf bullshit. Like, nothing against him personally. He seems like a good dude. Like, well-liked amongst the team. from, From what you see? I mean, I, don't I have know, no, like I teams, don't know anything about this guy personally. I have no idea either. But like, if the, you know, people, if we could keep talking about, like, oh, how close knit the locker room is, if one of them was a dickhead, like, I feel like it wouldn't be close knit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, yeah, I just hope it's done. And like, I'm looking at the rotation now. You take Elf's five minutes out of the game last night. That's a solid nine man rotation right there. Just stick right. to that and let's keep it going. You know what I mean? Give IQ the five minutes. Let him play twenty. Exactly. Or, you know, just run D-Rose into the ground. Just give him 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not really. Not literally. But, I mean, D-Rose, yo, you saw his post-game interview, though? He was just like, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. You know what I mean? And he yeah. was saying something along the lines of, like, people saying I couldn't play these minutes anymore, but I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Or I'm doing it now. So he seems ready. Like, <laughs> this is this is what he's been waiting for, bro. And he has his IG post from
1: last week that, you know, gave me was just reading it. Um, he said... I don't dunk or jump high anymore. I love chess, so I put it this way. Oh, I lost my queen early in the game, but I fought my fucking way back to get one of my pawns down the board to get her back. Like, that shit is beautiful. And, like, the like the poetic shit that he and Taj are spewing out right now, like, they're all very meaningful, and that's that's the connection they're building. Because we know, we know those Chicago teams had a connection with their fans in a way, mm, and, yeah. you know, they, they understand that that's a necessity to win these games. And... You know, when you connect to the Knicks fans, you got a cult behind you at that point. Every moment bro. and there we're we're everywhere. <laughs> You're never not gonna find Knicks fans in any arena. There will always be a, at least I don't I'm just gonna make up a number, at least ten percent, even in, in a Lakers game, you'll find at least ten percent of the fans are, are Knicks yeah. fans right
0: there. Yeah, man. I mean do you really wide. This is a whole other side note, but like you know, if he didn't get hit with those injuries, he would have been probably top five point guard of all time, bro. He was he was on that track, bro. Mm-hmm. But back to current day bro like he's been probably our most consistent and even best player and there were moments like especially in the fourth quarter he had this beautiful mid-range step back you know what i mean that like where the the shot clock was winding down and it was just like yo we needed a bucket right then and there because like hawks were making that run when they brought trey and capella back in Mm -hmm. Rose had one of these mid-range jumpers that kind of quelled that noise for a bit and bro i'm so fucking glad that trade you you can't stop talking about it DSG had a second round pick. That which would to me, that would mean, yeah, D Rose is technically part of the KP trade. You he, know is. I mean? he is technically. If, if you follow that flow chart or whatever that was kinda of flowing around on Twitter for a while. Beautiful, beautiful mastery of the of the executive craft by Leon Rose. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he master of his craft. He basically told Tibbs to go get his guy. <laughs> or or Tibbs told him to get his guy. Either mm-hmm. way. I don't either way we hear it in Reggie, bro, you got any thoughts on on him waking up too?
1: About time, man. He, I don't know why in the first half he wasn't shooting as much as he should have. Thankfully, he had a good game where he shot like four or seven from the three. But, you know, an interesting thing is that one of the strategies that we mentioned last game was to try to tire out Trey Young. And for some reason or another, Reggie wasn't being used as much as he should have to just keep running and trying to shoot those threes. But his, you know, I, I know you mentioned last episode that he's a guy who's replaceable and Maybe he's not as replaceable as we think because he is a very solid 3 and D guy, and he's only going to get better. He's, I think, about to enter his prime. I think he's like 26 or 27 years old, and he has a quick shot, and I, I really like it. I think he really spaces out the floor well. I would love to see him back on the team next season, man. I mean,
0: he's 30 years old. Is but he? Oh, what I meant by, yeah, yeah, but what oh, I meant by right. replaceable, though, is really just like, his skill set, really, you see it in the playoffs all the time, and I, I like this quote that uh, Draymond always used to say, some guys are only 16 game players, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then that goes to what, like, shit, I forgot what his name is, but the Warriors GM. This quote's been floating around there across all, like, uh, basketball outlets and podcasts, but he would say how, like, in the playoffs, if you're a 3 and d guy, a defense is going game, to game plan for that. So if you don't bring anything else besides that skill set, then you're, you're going to get played off the court or you're replaceable, and I kind of see that You know what I mean For a while This is some real Basketball nerd In the weeds Type of shit But for a while That 3 and D Like role Was coveted And it still is You know what I mean But I feel like It's become so widespread now That you could find guys Like that You know what I mean A little bit more easy You know what I mean Like a guy like Straight out the D league Like when you see Miami doing it You know what I mean Like Duncan Robinson Was like a second round pick They put him in the D league Or G league For like two years Came on And he's a Three point marksman And he plays passable defense You know what I mean Joe Harris was a second-round pick cut by the Cavs. Went to the Nets. Fucked the Nets, but they developed him into like what he is now, like a sharpshooter, while mm-hmm. also being like improving his overall game too. Cause like people see him, it's like the Kyle Korver effect too. They just think he's whack at everything except shooting. But like not nah, Joe Harris is like a good overall kind of player. He could. He's decent at defense. He could. He's not a ball handler, but regardless, the point is just like I feel like somebody like Burks, you know what I mean? What he can do off the dribble as a playmaker, as like a the clock winded down, kind of guy, you know, like that's a, that's a bit more valuable to me than what Reggie's skill set is, and that's not. And I'm not trying to denigrate Reggie. I like Reggie, right? And if like the whole thing, what it boils down to is, if he hits, if he hits his shot, our offense looks totally different. You know what I mean because he's gonna get those like 30, 30 to 35 minutes a game, because to your point, he's also a savage on defense, bro. He was on Trey Young for a bit last night, and I. Like you could tell at the start of the that game, kind of phys- yeah, yeah, that that kind of physicality, like you know trey young Trey's gonna get his numbers, but like it was it was tougher than it I feel like would be otherwise, but then again, he went eleven for twenty, but I don't have the ex- advanced numbers for me, so we don't know what the percentage was against Reggie, but I feel like Reggie, with the eye test, he did a good job at least you know being physical with Trey young, you know what I mean,
1: yeah, hundred percent, I think you know and we're probably going to come down with this conversation after the playoffs when we are we're, we're down to three or four free agents and figure out who we're trying to bring back. Um I would say I mean if if I had to choose between I guess Alec Burks and Reggie, I I probably go with Alex cuz this guy knows how to be a closer all of a sudden. Something that you know, we we only found out this season cuz cause he, cause he started balling out with the Knicks in the fourth quarter and it's 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 pretty awesome to see him being able to do that and not be phased by 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 the uh you know the count or the time coming down, or the clock coming you know
0: down. well my, my theory is, it's because he reunited with Johnny Bryant. I feel like Alec Burks stopped improving when he started like leaving Utah, where Johnny Bryant was, and he mm. went to these different teams where his guy wasn't there. Now you got his guy, cause like I noticed like anytime there's a timeout or whatever, Alec Burks and Johnny Bryant just be like chopping it up and just like you know I me mean? talking, talking, like they, they're boys, which I, I expect them to be, cause I think Johnny Bryant was a coach as soon as Burks came into the league as a rookie. And what we could tell from the outside looking in, Bryant specializes as in, like, helping guards develop their guard skills. And you can see it's, like, Burks, I feel like him a couple years ago wasn't this good of, a, like, an off-the-dribble kind of player. You oh. know what I mean, like, he had that in his tool belt, but, like, now it's just like, damn, it's coming to fruition. You know what I mean? And that that's my logic. I'd rather keep that, but... If we if we kind of dabbling in the free agent talk right now, bro, I don't know, man. I should, if 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 we get a certain, you know, a corn road, uh, max superstar, all star level player that is able hmm. to opt out of his contract this summer, I might prefer Reggie. You know what I mean? Because it, it just fits with. His, I'm talking about Kawhi. <laughs> like, I'm just, oh just yes. Just not keep it yes, yes. ambiguous because obviously people know Luca got that got that Clippers franchise in chokehold right now, bro. It's it's ridiculous.
1: Actually, low key embarrassing, but like props to Luca. That man I mean, too and good. Kawhi's been
0: balling out. Yeah, Kawhi's been balling out too. He's doing what he can, but Paul George is. You buddy.
1: saw that. <laughs> you saw that sidestep three pointer that he had against the Clippers. The sidestep hey, one one footed three point shot that he. Bro, Luca has everything That's, in
0: his bag, bro. Like, He's fucking vicious. Yo,
1: man, that's that's that that's that Euro white people shot, man. Only only they can make shots like that. Like as a guy who has two good friends that are that are both like Montenegrin, who I've grown up playing basketball with, like they've been making shots like that. You see, you see, you, you see Jokic making lazy ass sh- shots like that
0: that be going in. Like that's their
1: kind of shot. Like they be they be getting yeah. those shots. That like it's awkward crazy. But, like kind
0: of fluid fluid kind of movement. I do I, did, I did mm-hmm. what you're saying, yeah. yeah. And, and you could tell Lucas out there. He just look like he's having fun, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's out there like shit-talking Patrick Beverly. Like, it's funny as hell. And if, if Luca just cooking, if the Mavs, who we were rooting against all season, obviously because, like, we have their pick. But mm-hmm. if they kind of lead to Kawhi leaving L.A., I don't know. Because you remember back in 2019, Chris Carter, of all people, former NFL Hall of Fame wide receiver, he was the one that kept saying, oh, Kawhi, don't count him out with New York. Don't count him out. And people were saying, oh, Uncle Dennis – was fucking from Jersey in the tri-state area. I saw people saying, "Oh, Kawhi was doing his rehab out in New York. He was out there on the scene. He likes New York." I saw I saw people say, "Uncle Dennis is cool." Brian Windhorst. He said, "Uncle Dennis was cool with Steve Mills." So I mean, that didn't that didn't go anywhere. But hey, if <laughs> if Clippers get embarrassed, I don't see how Kawhi can stay because people could say, "Yo, it's L.A. He wants to stay home." But you gotta remember, he demanded the Clippers go get him another star before he's. Signed his name on the dotted line. You know what I mean? Like he wanted Bradley Beal. That was it. That wasn't a possibility for the Clippers. They couldn't trade for him, so they traded for PG. And now PG, bro, I gotta say it. Like he's gotta embrace. He's gotta be a Chris Bosh to somebody's big two, You know what I mean? I yeah. don't think he's built to be a number one or a number two option in the playoffs, bro. I don't see it. Yeah, and they they have a lineup that on paper should be up two and zero right now against the Mavs Yeah. To um, pivot yeah. back to the next I got a perfect segue. Luca's killing it over there, and you know what? I'm glad that the dumbass Hawks made that Trey Young for Luca trade. You know what I mean? Because like, if Luke, <laughs> if we were facing Luca this series, good God, good Lord, good go- bro. <laughs> so thank, thankfully, for some reason they wanted Trey Young and Cam Reddish. Was that who they got in the trade? I think yeah. so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or
1: or DeAndre or, Hunter, one of those guys. They had like the they had like the fourth and sixth pick or some shit. And they got DeAndre yeah. Hunter and Cam Reddish like back to back. I think the
0: fourth pick was theirs, and then they got uh, the other pick was a Mavs. So I think that was Cam Reddish. But regardless, Cam Reddish hadn't played this season, and Trey Young is like, he's nice. Like we should talk him because out of respect, obviously, but and he's nice, but he's not Luca, bro. So mm-hmm. what a dumb, dumb, re- dumb move for the franchise. But um, not worse than the with- Kings though <laughs> for passing up uh, both these guys kings yo you talk about poverty franchises bro could not be us i thought our playoff streak of like eight years was like horrible 15 years for them bro (laughs) 15 years (laughs) yeah we don't know anything about that yeah that shit man vivek gotta handle that out there vivek with ronadeev or whatever the fuck the owner's name is you know i mean Mm -hmm. um what do you think of the kind of the adjustment we made on Trey young defensively game two
1: I mean, we saw at the start of the game, Bullock was on him hard, like hard. Their, the defense that the Knicks were playing at the start was really good, and we saw yeah. RJ, you know, knocking down one after another, and then they kind of just cooled off right then and there and started freaking out. But I, you know, how much adjustment did they really make? I didn't really pick up on much, unless you know, the first half we're talking about Noel just on the pick and roll, just going up a little bit, but. I didn't they know it's that much. Definitely
0: sh- much more, they were definitely much more aggressive in terms of, the, like, to pick a role because they weren't letting him get to the floater as easy anymore. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it wasn't, like, a clean lane. It was, like, before I feel like in game one, Tibbs was kind of focusing on the role man or even the shooter. Now it was just, like, people were pointing out a lot, but that, like, the Hawks had open shooters and open shots that they could not make. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's because I feel like they were much more physical with Trey Young. We were much more honed in on that. You know what I mean? Because... As soon as he, he sat, like, that's when our run came. You know what I mean? When he came back in, that's when ATL started making their little comeback. So, I mean.
1: Wait, I, I agree. You said, you said as soon as he sat there making their comeback? The no, Knicks as soon were as making he their sat, comeback. The Knicks were, yeah. As right, soon okay. As he, I think Sat, back. we were making their
0: comeback. But yeah. as soon as well, he came back, ATL was running back. You know what right. I mean? And. It's just, like, our defense, it was obvious. It was just, like, make everybody else beat us. Like, cover Trey, cover fucking uh, Bogdanovich, the the fucking Caucasian Kobe, apparently. You know what I mean? Like, this, this man's a killer. <laughs> and let the other guys beat us. And DeAndre Hunter, thankfully, felt like he was wearing a Knicks jersey at the, end, at, the, at the end of the game, you know what I mean, fourth quarter. He had so many open looks, I feel like he made not one of them, bro. Not one of them. We were just begging him to make these shots. Because at Bob- the end of the day... I'd rather him shoot than, like, Trey or, you know, Bogdanovich or even Capella getting those lifts inside. Hey, man,
1: Bogdanovich put up 13 threes and made two. So, yeah, he actually ended up having a pretty off night. It it felt like he made a lot more threes, though. I'm not going to lie. I'm looking at this box, but I'm a little surprised that he missed that many threes because I could have sworn he made at least, like, four or five.
0: Facts. But then again, that could have
1: been, like, Gallo or or Herter, and I'm mixing them all up.
0: Yeah, not, yeah. I mean, Gallo's two for nine. Your Gallo just looks like he can't move no more, bro. Like mm-hmm. It's like he just stands behind the arc. He's Ryan Anderson now. He just, no. he just stands behind the three-point <laughs> line and just shuffles his feet different directions. Like, I'm going to be here, guys. <laughs> he he, he, came, he came paid like 60 mil, too, just for that. The occasional spot-up shot. Yo, the right thing is when they got both Bogdanovich and Gallo, I was one of these people that was like, I feel like Gallo's a bigger pickup for him. But mm. uh, apparently we all underrated Bogdanovich, bro. That He's nice, and... I feel like we did also sell out to stop him, you know, and that was good. That he's basically their second best like offensive player. So and for him to have a bad game like that that was was a plus for us obviously. Yeah. Um Kevin Herter had like when the hell did he have four buckets? I don't even remember.
1: He had that one dunk that
0: I remember. Right, yeah, that was disgusting. I, I, I didn't you know I didn't know he had that in the back, but it was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> It's because his family. was Do you see, like in that video where all the Knicks fans are like wilding out in front of MSG. Kevin Durant's family comes in through the middle of it, and they get booed. <laughs> the whole crowd <laughs> boos his family, bro. His brothers, his sisters, his yeah. old dad—they wearing yeah. Maryland gear. I was like, yo, I love New York. <laughs> I was as soon as I saw, I was like, that can't be. Oh my god, it is. <laughs> you you got to check the video out. I think oh, it's yo, yeah, 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 yeah. Saw that shit over. <laughs> it's, it's on like every. Let me, let me, let me send that to you. That's but. not funny.
1: And we got superstar John Collins with five fouls and no points. What a useless bro, man. Bro, I would
0: hate, like, I didn't give a shit about John Collins, but then after seeing him bitch about officiating, he was just like, oh, those, some of those those screens, a lot of those screens are illegal. Hmm. You know what I mean? I was like, yo, shut up. Like, I didn't know the Hawks were this whiny, bro. Like, I'm, I'm of the opinion that, like, oh, okay, they're the opposing team. Of course the fans are going to be booing and, like, shit-talking them. But now they're actually giving us reason to shit talk. Like, Nate McMillan has been whining before the series even started. Yep. You know what I mean, is that his thing? I, was, I actually respected him a lot as a coach. I always thought he was underrated, but is this, like, his motivational thing? It's like, oh, my best player is a whiny crybaby, so I got to, like, instill that culture amongst the whole team. Is that mm. what Nate's going for? I don't know, but they just keep crying. Like, man up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yo, John Collins, the, 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 the rough and tough, like, Ooh, owie! Screens isn't isn't the reason why you had a bad game.
1: <laughs> yeah, and now people are looking into McMillan's like ability as a coach in the, in the postseason. He's in his career, he's seventeen and thirty-seven. He's he's really good as a regular season coach, but as as a playoff coach, he he's a bit more conserved with the way with his ways. I mean, if you just look at the minutes, right? Look at Trey Young; he played thirty-five minutes. Bogdanovich played thirty-five minutes. Like. And then you got D Rose playing thirty nine minutes. Like, there's no reason why D Rose should be playing more minutes than Trey Young.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, like I was saying in the last episode, or like after Game One, like Tibbs got out coach. Flip the the, the script got flipped this this game, bro. Like mm-hmm. kid, Tibbs, in the second half, he did all the adjustments he had to do. He benched Elf, played Taj more than Noel. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, like the pick-and-roll coverage, you know what I mean? Was, they switched it up to not allow Trey Young to get these floaters anymore because I think he only had, like, one floater, like, just off top of my memory, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. This isn't, like, hard scouting analysis, but that's what I remember. And, and he did what he had to do, you know what I mean? Like, he was just, like, he played D-Rose all the minutes he needed to. Um, When the bench was cooking, he let that rock for a little bit, you know what I mean? He didn't kind of, like, bring in an odd rotation, you know what I mean? He was just like, yo, OB, Burks, and IQ out there, they're leading the charge. It was beautiful to see, bro. Like t- Tibbs literally out coached coach Nate McMillan, and you saw you saw his quote when uh, Atlanta reporters asked him about the minute counts. Mm-hmm. No, he was just like, they were just like, "Oh, do, do you feel like you didn't play your starters enough?" He's like, "No, they they played thirty five minutes, as if like that's enough." And then uh, I saw one basketball writer like, "Huh, if only there was a, there was some numbers between forty eight and thirty five. You know I If only those numbers existed." <laughs> and yo, thank yo. Thank God for Nate McMillan, cause that all bench lineup he had out there, they was so ass, bro. I think I saw fucking oh, there were some names. Let me go back to the box score. That I didn't, I, I was surprised. Tony Snell played twelve minutes. Hey, Why? Hey, put some respect on Tony Snell's name. He's, he's fifty fifty and a hundred this past season. Yo, he is the king of cardio. He goes out there and he just <laughs> just goes up and down the court, bro. Win sprints for days, bro. Cause God knows he don't get any stats. <laughs> Lou was quiet. He had a trademark Lou will playoff game. 1 for 6, minus 14. Herder minus 19. Gallo's a bench guy doing absolutely nothing on the court. Yeah, and I'm just like I don't want to I don't mean to be cocky, but I'm just looking at how like these last two games have went and obviously you go on the road, role players it, it's it's been proven statistically. Role players struggle on the road. They do better in the home at home than they do in road arenas. So I expect some of our guys to struggle. And it's going to be on Julius and RJ and, you know, D-Rose and uh, Taj to keep it up, you know what I mean? But I'm looking at what the Hawks have done these last two games. I'm like, what much, how much more different or what can they do much more different to actually, like, take control of the series, you know what I mean? Because I feel like... They've been playing their game. You know what I mean? They've, there's not really, like, there's no possibility of, like, oh, somebody's going to come off the injury list to, like, give them a boost. Like, we still have that in the bag. Like, we could bring Mitch in, bro. Game
1: time decision. Mitch
0: comes in. It was game time decision bro.
1: last game. He's close.
0: Bro, was was that true, though? Because I feel like Ian Bagley came out and was just like, oh, no, he's out for the game, whatever. it was. It, I think it was maybe it was, I don't know. I, like, I heard he was I game time then...
1: decision, then they said no. But the fact that it's even possible for him to be a game time decision, that's that's just speaks volumes. Yeah. He's he's and then, close.
0: And then Mitch himself didn't even help matters because he fucking put out the eyeball emojis. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm just like this you could tell you're still childless as hell, but if that's a hint that you're coming back, bro, bro. Yo, if Taj and Mitch, you know what I mean, like it's it's gonna make a world of difference, man. If he's even just seventy five percent of what he was right before he got hurt, you know what I mean, playing as well as he was, you know, the series it's it's going to change. I mean, I'm not going to make any super predictions. I've done that enough these last couple of episodes. But, yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping, bro. It's like in game three or four, Mitch can make a comeback. So as far as, like, the next game coming up, I mean, aside from Mitch making that return, do you think, uh, you think we take it on the road, game three? Like, what's your prediction, like, officially?
1: I feel like even the most casual Knicks fan can understand what the Knicks need to do to be even better than they are. And, obviously, taking out Elf. Randall playing better, RJ playing a little better, and D-Rose playing D-Rose kind of game. And if if Mitch comes back, we got that too. I think we know all the keys as a casual fan. If we're talking about a mastermind of coaching for Tibbs right now, uh, who probably should win Coach of the Year, I feel like the Knicks, uh, you know, knock on wood, got it in the bag for Game 3. That's, you know, like I, I don't think that's a yeah. prediction that many people would, would disagree with at this time.
0: Yeah, I feel like Tibbs finally hit the right buttons, you know what I mean? You can't there's no turning back now. You can't bring Elf into the rotation, period. You know what I mean? And I feel like that was the one kind of major move he needed to make for us to move forward. Get Elf out the rotation, play your nine guys, play a better starting lineup, and if Mitch comes back, that's even better. But I feel like there's not a major adjustment we could see we could see Tibbs make. It's just really on like you know, our defense being what it is, like just that grimy defense, and like Julius coming through and having a Julius game, because he's mm-hmm. had some big games in Atlanta this past season, you know what I mean? Yep. And it seems like, because I feel like we didn't really touch on this as much, kind of like him waking up and the difference it was, because it went from him looking tentative to him looking decisive, like he, start, he started attacking the basket, and like even his jumpers, he was being decisive with it, it wasn't like looking, looking, probing, looking around, looking where to pass, he was getting into the teeth of defense and doing those awkward, like LeBron kickouts, you know what I mean? And that was a a sight to see Like you could tell he was getting, he was playing with that, that, uh, that magic Johnson swagger. Mm. You know what I mean? So (laughs) if he comes, if he comes out and he does what an all NBA player should do for his franchise on the road, I think we've got the game in the bag for sure.
1: Yeah, pretty much, man. So I think we're on the same page. Uh, I think we're going to close this episode out. Thank you guys for listening to this edition of Nickish Game 2W. Let's, let's go for Game 3W. Uh, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish show and follow us on all podcasting platforms platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel also at Nickish Show. Until next time, hopefully next time we, you, you catch us on a pod. The Nick's got game three in the bag, uh, and we'll be moving on to game four. So until next time, everyone, take care. Peace.
0: Peace.